Welcome to Brown Bag Religion, the MF Kasser podcast. Uprisings against military rule. Also, I would like to argue that Myanmar is interesting from a comparative perspective as a case study uh, that can help us flesh out the complex relationship between religion and democracy. This is much more complex than to say that Buddhism contributes to democracy, full stop. It can be read that way from the outside, but this is just far too complex. So for those of you who do not follow the events uh, very closely, just to give a short introduction, after a decade's interlude of limited political liberalization in Myanmar between 2011 and 2021, Myanmar is once again under direct military rule, administered by the so-called State Administration Council, SAC. The February 1st coup by the military was met with massive, massive protests, probably in a scale unimagined by the military itself. And that have radically transformed political as well as military dynamics. Within days, hundreds of thousands of people took to the streets demanding an end to military rule, the release of Aung San Suu Kyi, the release of 400 members of parliament under house arrest, and the restoration of the legally elected government. At the same time, the civil disobedience movement, the CDM, was formed, which quickly spread across the public sector and furthermore, soon went beyond the public sector, including, at least informally, a wide range of civil society organizations and religious institutions. On the 16th of April, the so-called National Unity Government was formed by the arrested members of parliament and the NUG claims to be the only legitimate government. And that's where we stand now. They still claim to be the only legitimate government. They have also formed a military wing called the People Defense Forces. And a declaration of war was made on September 7th against the military. So that's where we stand now. The military has not gained control over the resistance and in many ways the coup can be said to be failed and I want to emphasize this, this is a failed coup in many ways and, and the situation is really kind of up in the air now it's, it's extremely uh, volatile and unstable. In fact I would say that it's kind of a state falling apart facing not only intensified violence but also institutional breakdown and economic crisis. And for those of us working in the educational sector, I would like to, uh, to inform you that those of you who do not know it, that most educational institutions have been closed since February, including the MF's uh, partner institution, the Myanmar Institute of Theology. So in the article, we ask the following questions. Um, in what ways have religious symbols and practices informed resistance to the coup? How have religious actors and religious institutions responded to the coup? And how do the responses compare to previous uprisings and military crackdowns, such as in 1988 and 2007? So this topic is extremely vast, but I'll try to, to make uh, four points uh, where we, in the article we try to, to map these different responses. And towards the end, I'll try to make some broader conclusions on, on how we are to read these changes in Myanmar. Now, the first, and I think this is the most important point, what we see are new visions 
for a new democratic Myanmar, and we also see a new form of religious super diversity. Um, the, the protests uh, were characterized by a global internet culture, interreligious solidarities in ways we have not seen before in Myanmar, and new visions for a plural and democratic country. People from all walks of life joined the protests, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Christians, those of different ethnicities, the LGBTQI plus groups participated with clear identifiers of their belonging in ways not seen before. Even the long-term persecuted Muslim Rohingya minority protested in the streets of Yangon with signs, clear signs, identifying them as Rohingya. In, the early, in these early days, and now I'm talking about February, March, beginning of April, um, when the regime still allowed for public protests, there was a real sense of coming together on the streets, bringing different groups together in ways not previously seen. In his cultural outlook, the street demonstrations were similar to the global netizen anti-authoritarianism movement called the Milk Tea Alliance, that I'm sure that some of you have heard of which um, uh, combined of um, uh, democracy activists in Taiwan, Hong Kong, Thailand, and now after February, also Myanmar. And where these protesters make references to pop cultural elements, such as Disney princesses, Batman, and the raised three fingers from the films, The Hunger Games. And I'm sure you've all seen those. Uh, and you see also Buddhist monks, making this reference. Now, I'm not sure if everyone has seen The Hunger Games itself, but it has turned into kind of a global system of anti-authoritarianism. The protests uh, are also characterized by internet language, humor, and memes, and were prevalent not only on social media platforms, but kind of shifted between online and offline spheres that have been truly interesting to follow. So I would say that is kind of the main characteristic of the process or over the protest. In addition, we do see that religious minority groups have been highly vocal and present. Uh, almost all Christian churches in Myanmar have declared statements, you know, against the coup. They have been truly important in the street protests. Um, Muslim clergy uh, have also um, condemned the coup. Um, I would also say it's quite remarkable the ways in which that religious officials from all different religious communities have showed interreligious solidarity, meaning that Buddhist monks have shown uh, pictures of Muslim clergy condemning the coup on their uh, Facebook sites. Right, so it's, it's kind of a, a new way of building alliances across these different religious communities. Now, I will spend the rest of the talk talking about the Buddhist community, because after all, Myanmar is a 90% or a little bit less Buddhist majority country. And Buddhism plays an enormous role in, in all societal and political uh, matters. And I would say that the um, uh, the majority from what we can take uh, would say that the coup is our dhamma meaning it's not right according to the buddhist teachings it's our dhamma and that is sort of the main 
um, uh, message from the Buddhist communities um, that the coup is immoral. And the military uh, is seen as immoral. And we can see in the protest that Buddhist symbols and rituals were often used in the protests from turning over the alms ball, as you see in the picture that uh, we used for, for announcing this talk. Um, there have been these pots and pans uh, demonstrations to ward off evil. This, is, this relates to sort of classical Buddhist practices and is linked to New Year's Eve celebrations. It was um, prohibited by the military in 88, and then it resurfaced again during the protest now as a kind of a cross-cultural protest ritual. Um, I would also like to say that um, in comparison to previous uprisings, what is remarkable now is that high-ranking um, Buddhist monks and monasteries are very clear in their condemnation of the coup. Even the state Sangha Council, the Mahana, um, made public statements that were really against the coup. And for that, the chairman of the state council, I mean, this is kind of a bishop or some kind of a state body that oversees the Buddhist monastic order. And in 2007, they just asked the monks to stay inside the monasteries and stay out of politics. This time they did not. They actually went against in kind of a bold statement. So this is remarkable, I would say. Um, that being said, we also have monks who support. And the military on its part is trying to legitimize the coup in all possible ways by also referencing to uh, Buddhist teachings and monks. And I would say that what they in reality is doing is trying to create a Buddhist military state. And they do that in very, very particular ways. And it's kind of disturbing, I think, to many of my Buddhist friends in Myanmar, that very high-ranking monks like Sita Guseyado or Kamaida Masami uh, have actually now been seen in very close ritual interaction with Minolain, the military commander. So there, there is a, a need, I think, and this is a kind of a methodological and note, I would say, as a religious studies scholar, that we can't really just look at statements or a kind of organized, institutionalized religion. We have to see what these monks are doing and who, uh, and what kind of pictures are they posting on their Facebook uh, wall. And some of them do post images together with the generals, which is read by uh, the Buddhist public as quite uh, open support to the coup. So just uh, what, what are we to take from, uh, from all this? I would say that by and far, the years of political liberalization before the coup showed us that religion, in this case Buddhism, can really be used in an anti-democratic way. Buddhism prior to the coup played a role in creating a exclusivist religious nationalism taking Myanmar in the direction toward a ethnocracy. Then the coup comes, and then we see how these uh, actors really, uh, including religious nationalists, they work against the coup. 
What does that mean? Well, it means that you do have different visions of what the democracy is. Whether it's about electoral system or whether it's a deep democracy with the inclusion of religious minorities. And I have one minute left. And then I would say that um, there is a shift from showing resistance through a Buddhist political paradigm, as we see in 88 and 2007, to a new and more plural democratic or deep democratic vision of what Myanmar is about um, or how they see a future for Myanmar, and that a large section of the Buddhist monks are supporting that kind of new and plural vision for Myanmar. And I think I'll leave it for that, and I'm very much looking forward to your comments and questions.